Good morning, Rock Bible Church. I believe I'm supposed to say, God bless America. Right? Isn't that this week? Oh, sure, because I got zero response on that. Yeah, we were hoping you'd stop singing, Scott. Okay. Um, no, hey, uh, we got a great country, amen? amen. I know uh, in our current culture, it's very popular to find things that are wrong with stuff and then complain or uh, post or write an email. And uh, I want to encourage you, uh, we have a great country and we're meeting on a Sunday morning, worshiping freely. And that was part of why this country was established. Now, if you want to find things that are wrong, look around. You can find them. If you want to find ways that God has blessed us because of where we live and how we govern ourselves, there's a whole lot more. Amen? So, uh, it was not lost on me this week. Just the freedoms that we have and the whole thing. And, and it's kind of fun. Flags and red, white, and blue everywhere and all that kind of stuff. And uh, who, who like did some kind of grilling on 4th of July? Okay, true Americans. All right, good. <laughs> the rest of you, we'll pray for you. <coughs> um, uh, good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship be in a community that serves the greater community. Now, how do we do that? Any way we can. And one of them's coming up. Camp Rock. It's a great tradition within this church. We're over a decade of Camp Rocks here. And uh, we want kids to have fun. And we want them to be safe. And we want them to know about Jesus. Amen? And I love just that, uh, that little lion up there in the corner. Because uh, those of you who are familiar with uh, Narnia and C.S. Lewis and his series and the whole thing, one of the great phrases in that is, Oslin is on the loose. And it's a, it's a reference to God. Um, we're going to talk about that this morning, actually, as we continue our series in the book of First Samuel. And we're going to look at, uh, well, David's in trouble. And he's been in trouble, but it's getting worse today. In fact, other people are now going to be in trouble, in danger um, in harm's way, right? Uh, for some of us, we remember back that famous movie, Danger, like grave danger. And the question is, is there another kind, right? Um, so there's going to be attempts on lives and the whole thing. And for us, it's very, very easy to read through this chapter and, and say, oh, this is just kind of a story of what happened to David and how he was interacting with Saul or not and how Jonathan got involved. It's just, it's just a story. It's just a little information. I want us to go a little deeper than that than when we read our Bible. Amen? Amen. Um, because more than a story, um, it's a scenario that we find ourselves in. You ever, you ever been in harm's way? You ever been nervous? You ever felt like someone was after you? You ever felt like there was insanity surrounding you? Um, how, how do you handle that? Uh, we, we just sang, I know there's a place I belong. And I, w I was writing that down on my notes. And I was thinking about that. Where, where's that place? In some sense, it's right where you are. Now, if you're in harm's way, but that's the place that you belong now we're having fun conversations with God. I say fun sarcastically. Okay, God, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Is there a way out? Do I have to go through this? Me no likey. Let me out. I quit. Whatever. Um, it's interesting because we're going to watch a uh, son have an interaction with his father that goes more south than it ever has. And we're going to watch a guy on the run for his life. And the question is, how do we carry ourselves? What do we believe and how do we act on it in the midst of conflict, trouble, danger? Pick your word. Okay, uh, so that's what we're going to do. First Samuel chapter 20, we're going to look at uh, guys that are hiding. 
We're going to look at harm. And then what was that last word? Isn't that one of your least favorite words? I hate that word. Right? I hate patience. <laughs> right? Uh, so let's do that. Let's pray. And then we'll, uh, we'll jump in with verse 1. Lord, thanks for this morning and that we got to worship. No one's coming for us. No one's trying to stop us. And more than preparation for a sermon, we just got to spend time with you. Set ourselves right. Regroup. I pray, Lord, you would help us see how important that is, especially in the midst of trouble, conflict. Pray we'd see it in this passage that you, in your infinite wisdom, preserved for us, had someone write down that we might study it this morning. So we trust you, Lord, for your word and the time we spend in it this morning. We ask that your spirit guide it and that we walk out of here different. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. First uh, Samuel chapter 20. How great we got the students with us this morning. Might have a little more fun. All right. uh, now David fled. He's on the run, right? David fled from Naoth and Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, uh, David's been running. In fact, the whole reason he was in those two words that you have trouble pronouncing, Naoth and Ramah, right, is because he was running from Saul and he ran down there just to see who? What's the name of the book? Samuel, right? I need help. This isn't going well. Saul wants to kill me. And he, he runs from there because, actually, Saul showed up there <laughs> with several of his servants who were looking. So they're on the scene. It's like, oh, this is not safe. Because once he finally comes to, which, by the way, you, do you remember how we left Saul? Naked, curled up in the fetal position all day, all night. Because <laughs> God says, I need to teach you a lesson. Quit going after my boy. Leave him alone. Um, he knows he's going to come out of that state, so he runs off and he finds Jonathan, Jonathan being Saul's son. Now, what have I done? What's the question? Is that a real question? Or is it a sarcastic question out of frustration? Does he know he's done nothing? then why ask the question? You ever had that emotion? What did I do wrong? And you know you didn't do anything wrong. Right? You ever been terminated? Because you were directly related to someone else that got terminated and they just didn't want him around and now they don't want you around. And You ever had that? That's a fun one. What did you do wrong? Nothing. I thought I was killing it. I thought I was doing really well. In fact, my last review was wonderful and all of a sudden out of a job that's the sound of being out of the job by the way right um what have i done what is my guilt and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life what is going on now these are the kind of questions i ask regularly uh, a little louder and a little more venom when i talk to god um because we're combative Kind of. I'm combative with him. He laughs at me. <laughs> oh, you can't fight with me. But I'm expressing my true condition. And you got to get good at that. Right? You got to get good at expressing your current condition. Right? That might be a write down or a fill in prior to the fill ins. That's your Sunday service extra right there. Okay? You got to get good at. Expressing your, not past, not future, but current condition. My goodness, you definitely need to write it down. <laughs> right? People at home on the video are like, what's wrong with these people? Right? Drink some more coffee. Uh, he said to him, Jonathan said, said uh, far from it. What's he saying? You've done nothing wrong. You shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. Now, what's Jonathan trying to do here? Encourage him? Is Jonathan telling the truth here? Not really. Is, does Saul still want David dead? Absolutely. But John, Jonathan's saying, hey, uh, I'm going to be on your side. 
Verse 3, David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. He says, look, I know you think your dad tells you everything because you're his beloved son, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? He wants me dead, and there's some things he won't tell you because he knows you're on my side. We need to start thinking about this rationally. Um, because, by the way, newsflash, my life's in danger. Fun discussion, huh? Then Jonathan said to David, whatever you say, I will do it. Jonathan said, uh, David said to Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is the new moon. And I should not fail to sit at table with the king. Uh, at new moon, there was uh, three days of feast and three times that you would sit at the table, apparently. And if you were in the king's court, then, I mean, it's, it's table time and you have a seat and you have to sit there, right? If you disobey, how's that go? Something's wrong, you're going to get in trouble, right? Tomorrow's the new moon and I have to show up in front of the king. What's he saying? Guaranteed conflict is tomorrow. Because I'm not showing up there. He'll kill me. But if I'm not there, he'll kill me. <laughs> right? Everybody in a lose-lose? Right? Um, I should not uh, fail to sit at the table with the king. But let me go. That I might hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. All right, get out your outlines. Look at the top. It says 1 Samuel chapter 20. What's the first word in the title? Hiding. hiding. Sometimes you got to hide. You need to hide. Recognize those times. You got to get good at expressing your current condition. Right? It's time to run. Um, back to the passage. Uh, I'm going to hide myself in the field till the third day. If your father misses me at all, then said, David earnestly asked me, uh, leave for me. To run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. Oh, we're, we're going to do a religious ceremony back in my hometown with my clan. I, I had to go, right? Is that the truth? Really? Are you calling David a liar? Oh, just want to plant that seed and let it grow for a while. Okay. Just tell dad a fib, a little, little white lie. If he says good, it will be well with your servant. But if he is angry, then know that harm is determined by him. Therefore, deal, deal kindly with your servant, uh, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there's guilt in me, kill me now. Just kill me yourself. If, if I've done something wrong, if I deserve what's happening then let's just end this because I'm going to stand before the Lord, right? Love that. What's he referenced there? Second word from the far right, top line. Lord. He's talking about God and it's like, look, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. And why should you, uh, for why should you bring me to your father? Kill me now. We're not going to give him the, the satisfaction of being able to off me. Let's just end this now. Otherwise, there's no point to run. Jonathan said, far, far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I, wouldn't I tell you? I'm on your side. Then David said to Jonathan, who will tell me if my father answers you roughly? How are we going to know? I won't be in court. I won't be sitting there. Um, uh, this is prior to smartphone technology, text messaging and stuff. We're going to throw some uh, smoke signals or something like that. They actually come up with a brilliant uh, thing here with a uh, bow and arrow. Here, let's, let's look at it. Jonathan said to David, uh, come, let us go out into the field. So they both went out in the field. And Jonathan said to David, the Lord, the God of Israel, he's going to be our witness today. When I've sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or by the third day, behold, if it is well disposed toward David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? I'm going to tell you here in this field, right? If I find out tomorrow, between tomorrow and the third day, whenever I find out, I'm going to tell you here in this field. But should it please my father to harm you, to harm you, the Lord do so 
to me, to Jonathan, and more also if I do not disclose it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. He wants his safety. He says, look, um, I'm fully in this with you. And whatever happens to you, I'm willing to take it if I don't help protect you. Let's figure out what's going on in the field and why are they out in the bushes, right? May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from the house, from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. This little vow that Jonathan makes. Um, is that true? Is this going to end up being true? Say yes. Ooh. Interesting. He's going to follow the Lord, and he thinks he's following the Lord and following David, and he says, if that's true, everything's horrible now, but later it's going to be awesome. Not an enemy will stand. Where's Jonathan basing his sanity right now? In current condition or future promise of what the Lord says? Right? Remember who David is? He was the guy anointed oil all over his whole body. Mark Campbell talked about it. Like, this is the, this is the next king. Jonathan's banking on that. I know you're not going to die because God said you're going to be king and you can't be king if you're But you can imagine they're panicking. Why? Perceived risk of current condition. They think something's going on. And what have they forgotten? God? David's telling lies. He's doing weird stuff. He's running. And is he, is he starting to forget a little? Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe he's being shrewd and realizes yeah, God wants me to be king. I should probably play along and take myself out of harm's way. Like he gave me two feet, two hands, a brain. Maybe I should use all these things to figure out where his plan's going and then actively, proactively pursue it. Instead of well, sitting around and, well, whatever happens, we're all going to die. We'll just wait here and see what happens. Well, then you get what you get, right? What are you willing to do about it? Nothing? Well, then you get nothing. Love this, this prophecy, really, and truth that Jonathan speaks. And, and look, look, do you see a word capitalized three different times and prominent in just this slide? Oh, you guys are brilliant. Do you notice no one else is talking about the Lord? Saul isn't. David isn't really. He has mentioned him once already for those of you who are going to write me an email later. Okay, I get it. But I want you to pay attention to the guy who's leading this passage. It's not Saul and it's not David. Jonathan. He is taking names. Right, And Jonathan, verse 16, look up or look down if you're reading your Bible in your seat. Uh, Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. Amen? Amen. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to him, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. And on the third day, go down quickly to the place where you hid out in the field, right? Uh, where you hid yourself when the matter was at hand and remain behind the stone heap. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I shot at a marker or a target. I'll just be out there like target practice with my bow and arrow. So no one suspects a thing. And behold, I will send a boy saying, go find the arrows. Now, if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are on this side of you. Take them. They're right next to you. Then you're to come for, as the Lord lives, it is safe for you, and there's no danger. 
This will be a sign to you, David. If the kid runs out to get the arrows and I say, hey, the arrows are really close. They're right there. Just pick them up and let's go. That means everything's good. Let's find out when it's bad. Right? But if I say to the youth, look, the arrows are beyond you, then go. For the Lord has sent you away. Ooh. Shouldn't that say something different? What, what did Jonathan just do? Most of us would say, then go, because he's going to kill you. Then go, he wants you dead. Then go, because he's upset. Who being the topic? Saul. What does David do? He says, the Lord sent you away. Hey, if, if Saul's bent sideways, we're going to call that of the Lord, and we're going to see where the Lord wants you. He obviously wants you to go somewhere else. This is just a light and momentary affliction to get your attention and get you moving down the path to where I know there's a place I belong. Right? Get to that place. Great little plan. As for the matter of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. So David hid himself in the field. When the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. And the king sat on his seat, as at other times, this on the seat by the wall. Jonathan sat opposite abner sat by saul's side but david's place was empty yet saul did not say anything that day for he thought something has happened to him he's not unclean sure he's not unclean he must he's got to go do the ritual and get himself prepared so that he's appropriate for showing up at dinner he just missed one dinner no big deal but on the second day the day after the new moon david's place was empty again saul said to jonathan hey uh Where's the son of Jesse? Where's David? How come he's not at the meal? Either yesterday or today. We're two days absent now. Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. Is that a lie? Oh. Huh. Just going to let that seed grow. That's why he's not here. And Saul's anger, anger was kindled against Jonathan. Now he's angry at two people. Remember, it used to be he was just angry at David. Now he's angry at his son. He said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. I'm going to practice that one because I got two I can use that on <laughs> when they're out of line. Is, it, is that meant to be nice? No. Do I not know that you've chosen the son of Jesse to be to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? Wait. Mom's nakedness? What, what are we, why are we talking about this? Yeah, it's, it's basically, it's a euphemism, the idea being you have shamed the day you were born when your mother brought you into this world and it is now a waste what she did because you have turned so far to the wrong side, right? Now this is an almost impossible phrase to translate from Hebrew into English. One, because none of you are all Hebrew from back then but we have that phrase in a couple other passages in the first testament that are very vague and hard to understand here's all you need to know they're always really bad <laughs> if you uncover your father's nakedness or your mother's something really really bad has gone on so uh he's super irate angry Verse 31, for as long as your son of Jesse lives on the earth, notice he won't even say his name, right? Neither you nor your kingdom shall be established, Jonathan. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Is that the truth? I don't know. Does Jonathan ever have a kingdom? Oh, it's kind of true. Is it important? 
It is kind of important because it's kind of true. They get it right. And yet at the same time, is Jonathan seeking a kingdom? Does he want to be king? What's he want? So, is this just hot air from an angry person? Is, is just the muddled thoughts of the insane? That's important because we're going to hit that on the, uh, before we leave. Okay, I just set you up for fill-ins later. We'll get there. Um, bring him to me because he's surely going to die. That's not going to happen. That's a lie for sure. David does become king in the whole thing. Then Jonathan, verse 32, answered Saul, his father, why should he be put to death? What has he done? Is, is, that, is that a realistic question? Is that, I mean, is Saul in the condition that you could ask him a rational question right now? Right? Now, confession, there are times where I am so twisted up, asking me a question is not a good idea. Okay? Ask anybody in my family, anybody on staff. Anybody who spent a decent amount of time with you. There's times where it's just like, you know what, leave him alone. He's not making any sense. Is this a fatal, a, a futile attempt by Jonathan? Like, why are you even trying to talk to him right now? Right? David's done nothing wrong. Why are you going to kill him? Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. He threw the spear. It used to be he was throwing the spear at David trying to kill him two different times. Actually, three, because the first incident, he threw it twice and missed both times. Uh, third time, he missed again. Three strikes, you're out. I guess I can't hit David. Maybe I'll hit Jonathan. He's throwing spears at his son. Woo! And you thought you had it bad. Um, so... <laughs> Jonathan's really right, right? So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. That's funny. Right? I'll kill you if I have to because I want him dead. Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger, ate no food, lost his appetite the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. So this is going south quickly in the morning verse 35 jonathan went out into the field to the appointed uh, appointment with david and with him a little boy he said to his boy run and find the arrows that i shoot as the boy ran he shot the arrow beyond him and when the boy came to the place the arrow uh, that jonathan thought shot jonathan called out, out to the boy and said is not the arrow beyond you what's that mean you're in trouble time to run jonathan called after the boy hurry quick do not stay. So Jonathan's boy, this is kind of a cool part of the story. Jonathan's boy, he, he gathered up the arrows and came to his master, but the boy knew nothing. So they, they managed to hide it from the kid. And only Jonathan and David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy and said to him, go carry them to the city. As soon as the boy had gone, David rose from behind the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. What's the bow three times? Some kind of worship some kind of acknowledging God, right? Small deliverance here, and he turns and bows three times. They kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. And Jonathan said to David, go in peace because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord shall between, be between me and you. Remember how long? And between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and he departed and Jonathan went into the city. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen. Isn't this kind of a weird story to preach? Like, where do we, where do we go with this? Um, I want to do a quick disclaimer and spend very little time on this. But there's a segment of our culture that likes to use this exchange between Jonathan and David to justify inappropriate behavior between men. I want to make sure you're clear. There's nothing inappropriate going on here. This passage is about God and David running for his life and Jonathan who's committed to the future king and committed to his God. That's it. In that culture, they kissed on the cheek. It's no big deal. We clear? All right, let's move on. Um, what, what does David do? What does Jonathan do? What does Saul do? In the midst of all this harm and hiding and, and waiting, you know, everybody's waiting in this. Even Saul's waiting. He's waiting like, keep waiting to kill this guy, right? And Jonathan's waiting to figure out, like, Dad, what's wrong with you? 
David's waiting to see, <laughs> do I, should I stay or should I, should I bolt town? And in the midst of all this, they have to figure out, like, how do I carry myself? This is where we enter into the story, I think, for us today. And, and there's a couple of things that I just really stuck out to me. Um, very poignant. Because we, we've got some insanity going on. And we've got some panic. Those come from uh, secondary emotions, fear. Right? Anxiety. There's a perceived potential loss. Well, if, if we don't do this, then, then that might happen. And, and then we'll be... How much of that has happened so far? None of it. And yet, we get all tied up in knots. We're, we're, the fan's not even on. Nothing can have hit it. It's not even plugged in. And yet we're running around with a, you know, our head cut off like a chicken going, oh no, I better go get my spouse and I better call the pastor because he has all the answers. And if we don't, we're all going to die. Don't do that. Here's how you do that. In the midst of a scenario like that, Understand that when you expect sense from the insane. Now, I said if you. No, I didn't. I said when. When you expect sense from the insane. Now, some of you just checked out. Oh, I never do that. Uh, there's crazy people out there, but I don't expect sense from them. No, 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 we all do it. Boss does something weird, something dumb, or says something, and we freak out. I love, you know, the idea of common sense. There's certain things that just make sense, and they should be common, and yet common sense is never, it's never common. Why? Because we, we let emotions go and we start hearing voices in our head, right? Telling us potential losses and we go to panic and then we become impatient, right? This lesson is not about impatience. It's about patience. And I, I want to give you a truth that we see played out in all three characters. That when you expect sense from the insane, question your sanity. Why are you expecting the insane to make sense? Why are you looking for something rational out of somebody that's irrational? It's the, one of the dumbest things on the planet. Now, Lucky for me, I've known this for years, okay? Well, when I was in middle school slash junior high, 13-ish, okay? I had a social studies teacher, amazing guy, so amazing, I've forgotten his name, <laughs> but he, he had like the fullest head of red hair, and he was always tidy and cleaned up and very professional, and he had this massive orange mustache. But he would do all these logic problems with us. You know, okay, you've got a donkey and a barn, and you've got a rope that's this long, but you have to walk the donkey this much. How do you do it? And we'd be like trying to figure out the rational. And one day, I remember, to this day, never forget it. And some people don't like this analogy. Sorry, not sorry. He said, you know, sometimes we get into discussions in our culture about these people who go off and kill people. And we try to make sense of it. Guy gets on a school bus and stabs 47 kids with a pencil. And we want to say, I wonder why he did that. Why are you looking for sense out of the insane? Just don't give him another pencil and keep him away from buses and kids. How about we just do that? And I remember at the time, like a little boy sitting in this classroom, you know, trying to figure out why it's, you know, fourth period and I still got bedhead. That makes sense. This guy's smarter than me. I'm going to start listening to him. 
Because I want to expect sense from the sane. But when people are out of control, what's the proper response to somebody who's out of control and says, you know what, as long as that kid's alive, you're never going to be established. Your kingdom's never been established. Bring him to me because I'm going to kill him. We have a crazy man talking. And Jonathan, you know what he does? Wait, why should David die? What has he done wrong? Why are you in conversation with the insane? What should he have done? He finally does it. Right? He was really, really anger, ang- angry. He left in fierce anger. Sorry. What did he do? He walked. We're trying to talk to Just walk. Folks, we talk to the sane. We walk from the insane. And it's brilliant. I've started doing this. I apologize to some of you that I just walk away from <laughs> because you're just not making any sense and it's time for me to go. Move on, right? Mike, I do this to my kids. There's all kinds of scenarios for this. We gotta stop expecting everything to make sense because it never will. Stop looking for that. David kind of stopped looking for sense out of this and just started looking for basic observations. Hey, if it sounds like he's going to kill me, let me know. Let's move on to next steps. And you, you need to do this. And by the way, this is true on the positive side, right? Because expecting sense from the insane means you're insane, right? That's all negative. Are there amazing good things that don't make sense? Are we supposed to make sense of them? We want to, desperately. Can't it just be like math? Do you know why math was like my favorite subject? There was an answer and an equation. You could sometimes get to it several different ways, but it always added up, and it was off by one. There was a reason. It was so great. And that's why I hate art. (laughs) Art was a guy in my math class. No, no, no. Um, Because art, it's so arbitrary. He likes it. She doesn't. He's not sure what it is. I think it looks like a pig on a bicycle, but nobody can agree. Where's the sense in it? Oh, I don't know. I like the blend of colors. Really? I like that they didn't use a whole bunch of different colors. How do you follow that? You know, in, in the good things in life that don't make sense, there's a reason. God does not want you to know or to understand. He, it's called withheld. He's withheld. Right? We, information's a great word because everybody on the street uses it. But for us in some of our circles, because we try to sound really smart and important, we use bigger words. It's withheld revelation. There's this great stuff going on. I wish you would tell me. When's he going to, I get to be king? When's that? Because the oil's almost all off of me, and I'm sitting in a rock down by the river. When's this going to make sense? Reveal this to me, Lord. And what does God say? Have wait. What? Yeah. We do um, this, this here. This is the problem of immediacy. What's the problem of immediacy? I want it now with my combo meal. I, fast food restaurants have ruined us culturally because they've set us on the track of I can get it right now. Um, there's a, another company that starts with the A and ends with the Zon, and they can get stuff to your house the next day, sometimes the same day. You know, you know what that plays to? Your greed, your selfishness, and your impatience. I sometimes, I, I think we, from now on, we should like pick the three-day delivery <laughs> to force you to wait, you know, be patient. There's certain things that we want to make sense and they don't. 
and they won't because God's working on something else outside of you. And if he wanted you to know, he'd have told you. And it's either good or bad. It doesn't matter. But when you move beyond that to what you get to know and what you don't get to, you move beyond that. Start experiencing what you do have. Well, I don't know about all that, but right now I'm sitting next to so-and-so. That's what you have. Sit next to them. Talk to them. Do you need to know the future? Oh, look how you didn't want to answer that question. Do you need to know the future? Do you need to have answers? I want answers. You can't handle the truth, right? You know, there's very few things you actually need. Sense fails to be on that list of things you need. How about you just enjoy it? Man, this chicken is really good. I wonder why. Please walk me through all the steps. How about you just eat the chicken? Enjoy it. If you learn how to cook it, you might end up having to cook. <laughs> Let them cook. <laughs> right? I'm running into this this week. I make spaghetti. And I'm amazing at it. <laughs> and we had, we're going to this function, and they were like, yeah, we're going to order tacos. And, and then somebody said, or Scott can make spaghetti. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Hey, stop putting sense on the menu. The more that sense is a priority to you, the more it will grow as a priority. And you know what will get louder? The voices in your head. And the fears. And the anxieties. And the missteps. Because in our haste, no, if we don't do it this way, <laughs> dude, get yourself a brown bag. Breathe into it for a while. Everybody's going to be fine. Some of the best people I've, I've known in my life never panic. And they don't care if stuff makes sense. And I hate it <laughs> because I'm still learning that. I'm trying to learn that. But I remember sitting in Laren, Laren Heath's office all, right? Give me a sword and a shield and better explain this. And he's like, and eh, we'll take it as if it's from the Lord. <laughs> what? You mean there's, you know there's a place that you belong where you'll see the fullness of God's love? Great verse or song, Laren. God, I want answers. He's like, you want the truth? I want the truth. He's like, you can't handle the truth. It was recorded and they stole it and used it in a movie later. <laughs> um, know that this happens. Uh, David does it. Saul does it. And Jonathan all do it in this, this thing. But we're not going to do it anymore. Number two. Just because they said it. We could, we could do a whole sermon on just that. Just because they said... Do people say stuff to you? I was a um, student minister for over two decades. And I remember... A very fun exchange with a teenage high school girl who came into my office all upset. Now, I can't remember half the things she said because she was, you know how teenage girls can talk so fast? You, you're like, is that another language? She's like, and they said, and I just I had a moment where the Spirit of the Lord rushed on me. And I said, oh, was it true? <laughs> and she blew up again. What do you mean, was it true? <laughs> so well, now I'm confused because you said it wasn't true and yet you're presenting as a three-year-old who had their ice cream taken from them after dinner. You are freaking out about something that's not true? Well, yeah, but they said, and then someone else said, I said is any of it true? No. Move on. But they said it. 
then it's a statement about them. It's not a statement about you. I have known this for like three decades now, and I've been trying to teach this to every human that I come in contact with. Do you know how many are taking it in and absorbing it? Come on, people. Guess. Come on. I'll give you three answers, and the first two don't count. Nope. That's my boy right there. Zero! If somebody says something, we freak out. Did you hear what the politician said? Did you hear what the other politician said? Did you hear? Did you see that commercial? Did you see this? So what? It's just noise. Have you figured out that almost all of it out there is lies? It's all lies. We think just because they said it, that it's true. It doesn't make it true. It just because they said it means they just said something. What they re- the only truth that they said and what they said was a statement about themselves. But it might not be that they actually believe it. It might be that they're just manipulating you to make it true or they're not sure and want to see if you'll confirm it. I just gave you three options of how stupid they are in saying something that's not true. Why are we still talking about this? Just because somebody said something, they just said something. I'm going to kill him. Okay, great. What's for lunch? We got to stop worrying about what people say. I have had the worst things said to me. Horrible, terrible, no good. Because that's what you do to pastors. Yeah. I, when I was in um, Little, Rock, Little Rock, Arkansas, I still remember this. I know exactly where I was. I know who said it. I still know her name. You, what was it? it was, you ignorant, gullible little man. <laughs> and I was like, dang, you just said that to a pastor? Now, I'm like two decades into my ministry experience, and I'd already learned this lesson with the teenage girl from Amador, like years prior. And I was like, wow, that was an amazing statement for you to make. And I started immediately calculating all the things that she was saying about herself in saying that to me. And you know what it did to my soul and my breathing and my sweat glands? It just shut them all down. I was like, oh, well, I know where I stand with you. I know what you think. I know what you're capable of. I know what you're willing to do. I know that you're unsafe. And I guess I must not be gullible if I've just figured out all that from one statement by you. See, if people say stuff, doesn't mean it's true. You know, Scott, you're not as good as you think you are. I can't stand you. God is obviously not with you. I can't believe he gave you a church. Am I making this stuff up? You have no idea what you're talking about. You're right. You should call the police and talk to God because I shouldn't be here. You're right. And then what did I do? Walk like Jonathan. Only walk free of fierce anger. Just walk. Let's stay calm. When, When people freak out and you don't, they run out of ideas of what to do. Just because they said it doesn't make it true. Ask what God said, says, and is saying. What gets you back to sanity? Hey, wait a minute. Uh, I was anointed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was. Yeah, Samuel was there. There were a bunch of witnesses. God said, I'm going to be king. If David had remembered it and acted like it, how much better off would he have been? Much better. Less anxiety, less weeping. Did you see? And they both wept. And David wept more. Was that like a weird phrase for you? That was a sign to me. He's letting stuff sink in. He's listening to voices he shouldn't be listening to. What has God said about what you do, what you think, what you let come out of your mouth, how you spend your money, where you go, what you watch when nobody's around, how you treat people, especially exes or steps or in-laws, 
right? I mean, there's a way to carry yourself like God carries himself, and you either do or you don't, right? The way you do it is by remembering what he said. Remembering what we sang. I know there's a place I belong. Who determines that place? And if he's sovereign and in control of all things, and if he's placed you right there in the midst of your enemies, how about you think, well, I'm going to be king at some point. He has established me, and I like what Jonathan said. He's going to eliminate all of David's enemies from the face of the earth. I need a friend like Jonathan, right? Because Jonathan, he's the one that reminds David of what God has said, says, and is saying, and will say in the future. Is he done? When you panic, when you function off what other people say, when you look for sense from the insane, you're denying the reality of God and you're acting as if he's finished and has no more to say. Just kind of threw out the Legos and said, ah, let's see what they come up with. No. No. He's got a blueprint and the Legos go together and become a spaceship, which never happened when I just threw out the Legos and tried to build something. Right? There's your Lego moment for the morning. Lastly, this, uh, this, and this is the most important. Make plans in his name. Make plans in his name. Even in the midst of them trying to kill you, move forward and ask, what does God want? How do I do it? How fast can I do it? Who can I bring on as a teammate? We talked about teammates, I think, last week, the week before. But how do you continue to talk about God, reference God, what he's written, and incorporate it in what you're doing? If you miss church, tell me how God wants you to miss church. And I'll be like, sweet, skip it. Can I come too? I kind of want to miss church this week, you know. If you're going to get divorced, you better tell me how God thinks that's okay. If you're going to do anything, take a job, quit a job, ignore somebody, where's God in it? I love what Jonathan says. He says, may the Lord, the God of Israel, he references him twice. You know what all those verse references are? That's the number of times that the word Lord shows up in this passage and almost all of them are attributed to Jonathan because Jonathan keeps bringing God back in the conversation hey go hide by the by the rock as the Lord lives hey if anything happens to you may the Lord do to me as he did to you he keeps bringing the Lord into the conversation and he actually says God one time those 13 are just Lord references he says, I know who I am, where I come from. I am communicating my current condition. What was the quote I told you to write down earlier? You got to get good at expressing your current condition in his name. Your current condition always includes him. Are you paying attention to that? Or, well, 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 they said this. I'm apparently ignorant and gullible. And my kids aren't listening. If my spouse would only... You know, once we finally, if you hadn't have, you know what all those sentences do? They leave out, they leave out God. You know, if you put God in all your sentences, that's a pretty good conversation. Hey, what does God want us to have for lunch today? <laughs> Ooh, now your food is ordained. <laughs> right? You can, hey, I, 
I think we're supposed to hang out. God wants it. You know, that you know, may or may not be true, but at least you're headed in the direction you want to be headed. Does it work out for David? Eventually. Does he die in this passage? No. Does he get the information that he wants, the truth? He does. He knows the king's after him, wants him dead. Does it work out for Jonathan? Say no. Dad threw a spear at my head. Right? But I want to make sure we hear this because uh, we might be overplaying the passive side of, well, just don't expect sense from the insane. Just walk away from this and da 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 and use God's name a lot and think about him. But also, what's those first two words? Make plans. Get after it. Get up. Go do something. Try it. If you have a 51% chance, this is the um, Cunningham rule. If you have a 51% chance that you think God's in it or wants it, go do it. The moment the door shuts, well, you know your math was wrong. Okay, you missed a variable in your equation somehow, and it was 49% or less chance that God wanted that. And then you should whine and cry and go home and isolate yourself. Is this extreme sarcasm? Yeah. yeah, instead of doing all those terrible things, try the next thing. What was the second most likely? Look for another door. That's the way to say it. Good job. Robin's teaching next week. Um, do we need to hide sometimes? Yes. Is harm real? Absolutely. Does pain hurt? For sure. Can you avoid them? Uh-huh. When you do that? Do we panic? No. Do we expect for it to make sense? Do we start turning, out the, uh, turning off the voices around us? You need to, based on what they're saying. And you need to start making friends with the voices that are inside of your head. Brilliant theologian. I have made friends with the voices in my head. Or maybe it was a 90s rap song. <laughs> but get to the point where the dialogue in your head is along those lines. And then turn up the volume so that it drowns out the stuff that's around you. Because you'll never look good enough. You're too tall, too short, too big, too small. Blah, blah, blah. Well, some, some of you want to give you permission to throw the scale away? Because I stood on mine last night. <laughs> like, what am I measuring? I mean, in a cheeky way, because I knew I was speaking today on these topics, I looked at my score. Oh, that's the score God wants me to have today. <laughs> I'm feeling good. All right. What's for dinner? You know, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, we're meant to move forward. David moves forward, and now he's going to be on the run, and it's going to get worse. And it's going to get funnier. And it's going to get dangerous. And there's amazing truth in it. Ten more chapters, folks. Hope you'll be there. But if you're still living in the world that's yet to understand this, and you've yet to say, God, me and you, from now on, I want to be like Jonathan, where I'm referencing you, following you, Asking, uh, if I'm not going to be king, who is and how do I help them? You want to start that relationship. That's why we're here. Amen? Now you can raise your hand or stand up or you can wait till after or however you want to do it. Just don't email me. <laughs> I'll see it in like two months. Okay? No, you can't email me. <laughs> no. Yeah. We're going to find that out in the chapters to come. Spoiler alert, because there's a great phrase that comes from David of why this is going to continue to go on. And he's going to put up with it. Because his pursuit is of the Lord rather than the position. Then it starts to make sense. Right? If I focus on just being pastor, I can kind of do my job. If I focus on 
making you, forcing you all to get right and get corrected, I'll fail. If I worry about whether you're trying to eliminate me or not, or I, I'm just getting distracted and all that stuff. David's working on his relationship with the Lord and getting himself ready for whenever God decides to do what he wants to do. It's a great picture. We'll see it. But if you need to start that relationship, come talk to us. Talk to me. Talk to anybody who's on stage. Even the two guys in the back with the choreographed dance. <laughs> Lord, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for your truth. Please remind us, Lord, that truth comes from what you say and nowhere else. That there's nothing new under the sun. We thank you, Lord, for what we got to see this morning and then what we got to sing as well, that my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. What a great song selection this morning, Lord, for this topic, this passage. I pray that you would be reinstating building that within us. We thank you for what we're about to receive, uh, the offering, and pray no one feels obligated to give. We thank you for what you continue to do in the church. May this offering work towards that. Your kingdom come, Lord. Amen. May you walk in his stated truth. Amen? Amen. Go with him.